exactly what I think the right interpretation of this parable is. I think the merchant man is a picture of the Lord Jesus. I think the pearl of great price is you and me. And I think when he took everything that he had and gave it all so that that one pearl could be his, watch this. To me, that's the language of Calvary. Now, that's the true interpretation of this parable. Jesus is the merchant man. You and I are the pearl and selling everything that he's got so that we could be his is a picture of Calvary. How many of y'all are with me now? Let's look at this together now real fast. As we look at it in that perspective, we learn what God is doing in this world in these last days. Now, really, the whole story revolves around the merchant man and the pearl. Can I talk about the pearl for just a moment? First of all, look at our text. Let's talk number one. Look at verse, uh, verse number 45. He talks about these, these pearls, this goodly pearl. And then in verse 46, it's one pearl of great price. I want to talk about, number one, how the pearl, how the pearl is wrought. How does the pearl come into existence? Now, this story, as I said a moment ago, is about the pearl. And what's so amazing about the pearl itself is how it comes into being. You see, the pearl is the only gem that is not mined from the earth. It is not dug out of the, the earth. For instance, gold is mined from the earth. It is dug out of the earth. Silver is mined. It's dug out of their precious jewels, diamonds and rubies. They, they form in the earth and they're dug out of the earth. But a pearl... A pearl's not dug, it's not mine. Rather, it is developed inside the midst of a living organism. It is developed inside of an oyster. I don't know if you've ever been walking along the seaside, seashell, seashell, seashells by the seashore, or what am I trying to say? Seaside, and saw an oyster shell laying there. Or maybe you have actually saw an oyster shell that was still, hadn't been cracked open yet through the crashing of the, of the waves. Well, inside of an oyster, a pearl is formed. Let me tell you how it works. According to scientists, what happened is, here's a, an oyster laying on the bottom of the, of the ocean floor. And inside of that oyster comes a grain of dirt or a grain of sand. And that grain of dirt, that grain of sand that enters inside of that oyster shell, it intrudes its way in there and it begins to irritate that oyster. It begins to cut on that oyster until an ugly wound is formed. Well, in, a, in an amazing process, that oyster, the oyster doesn't have hands so he can't push the grain of dirt or sand back out. He has no defense against it whatsoever other than feeling the irritation, the feeling the cutting of that, of that grain of sand, he begins to secrete a substance known as nacre. And it's N-A-C-R-E. He begins to secrete a substance of nacre, and it begins to cover that grain of sand. It, it, it envelops itself around that particle of dirt or sand. And they tell us within three to five years as this oyster continually in a hurtful way, trying to, trying to ooze the pain, ease the pain that it's feeling, the irritation, the cutting, the laceration, 
as he continues, layer after layer of that nacar is, is secreted over that grain of sand until finally, some three to five, five years later, inside of that oyster, a beautiful pearl now envelops or covers that ugly grain of sand. Really, it involves a process of two things. Number one, it involves the process of cutting. And number two, it involves the process of covering. A cutting and a covering. The dirt enters the shell, begins to irritate, lacerate, cut, wound the oyster. And then he begins to secrete that substance that begins to cover over that grain of dirt or that grain of sand. Now let me tell you, there are all kinds of spiritual applications we can make at this point because can I tell you something? In the salvation enterprise, in the salvation experience, we have a, we have a cutting and we have a covering. That's right. Our part. You know, we play a part in salvation. I heard about this little boy one time, and he went forward in this Calvin, Calvinist church. And he walked down the aisle, and he wanted to get saved. Well, man, they put him through the meal. I mean, question after question, trying to figure out if he was in the group or not. Finally, they decided, okay, he can go ahead and get saved. And so he, the pastor stood him up before the church, and he said, okay, he's got a testimony he wants to do about his salvation experience. And here's what he said. When I got saved, I did my part, and God did his part. The preacher said, what, do you, what did you say? He said, you mind explaining that to the church? He said, yes, sir. I did my part, and God did his part. My part was the sinning, and God's part was the saving. Now, in the salvation experience, our part is the cutting. We're the grain of dirt. We're the speck of sand that irritates and wounds and cuts and lacerates the heart of God. Our sin does that to God. Now, I know in our day, we don't view sin like that anymore. In fact, most people don't even call it sin anymore. You know what they call it? A character flaw. They call it a mistake in judgment. Some people just call it an accident or a boo-boo or whatever. But can I tell you something, friend? Most of us will live and die without ever really understanding how our sin cuts the heart of God. Our sin wounds the heart of God. Just as that little grain of sand lacerates and irritates and cuts and bruises the, 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 the little oyster inside of that shell, so our sin cuts and lacerates and irritates and wounds and bruises the heart of God. Hey, you think about what our sin does to others. Here's an old boy. Boy, I tell you what, I was blown away last night. There was a preacher, and I'm not going to call his name because I've had him here in this church to preach before, and I have on several occasions preached for him. Had no idea this was going on. I found out last night this preacher that I've had here, that we have had here, that has preached to us, I know on one occasion, and that I preached for him several times, ran away from his wife, left his wife, for a 19-year-old girl. Now, this preacher's older than me. He's probably 65 years old. Left his wife, took off with a 19-year-old girl, come to find out, had a child with her out of wedlock until finally he's lost his church, lost everything, just so he could have that 19-year-old girl. Now, I want to tell you something. You say, preacher, that's his own business. No, that sin that man committed hurt a whole lot of people. I mean, I think about his precious wife. He had a sweet wife. 
His wife was so very quiet, never, never said anything when I was around her much. Had a family, a good son that was in Bible college, training for the ministry. I mean, in a good church, seven, eight hundred people, run buses all over the town that he was in, and a good man. But that old boy decided that his, his, his put his, his uh, selfish desires before that of his wife and his children and his church. And, oh, I want to tell you, there's a wife this morning that's left grieving. There's a child, there's a child, there's a boy that's going to Bible college that's left grieving. There's a church that's left grieving. But can I tell you something? More than that, more than he's hurt others, he's wounded the heart of God. Oh, brother, I want to tell you, our part is the cutting. Let me say, when you and I sin, we wound the heart of God. We irritate. We, we, we lacerate. We hurt God. We bruise God. Our sin is a dagger in the heart of God. Ours is the cutting. But I'm so thankful I can tell you that, thank God, His part is the covering. I'm glad I tell you, I can tell you about a God that though we wound Him and we grieve Him and we hurt Him and we lacerate Him. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad I can tell you at Calvary, Jesus secreted a substance called the blood of Jesus Christ. And brother, through the blood of Jesus, our dirt, our grain can be covered over and over again until finally the end result is a beautiful pearl in the sight of God. How the pearl is wrought. Well, I want to tell you something. God takes something very ugly. That oyster takes something very ugly. What's more uglier than a grain of dirt? How ugly that is. But that pearl, after secreting that substance, takes something very ugly and makes something very beautiful, very valuable, very desirable, very expensive out of it. Boy, I'm glad I can tell you that God, by His grace, as He secretes the blood of Christ, layer after layer, love, the, the secretion of love and the secretion of grace, layer after layer, God can take an old dirty piece of sand and make something valuable and beautiful and desirable and expensive out of it. Oh, brother, that's how the pearl is wrought. Yeah, God can take our guilt and give us grace. God can take our sin and give us salvation. God can take our rebellion and give us righteousness. God can take our failure and give us forgiveness. Thank God that He can take an old dirty piece of sand and make a piece of pearl out of it. Amen. I'm talking about how the pearl was wrought. Think about your own life, how you used to be just a, a grain of dirt. Think about where you used to be. Think about last night, Saturday night. I'm telling you, my children at home, we watch, don't be mad at it, we watch live PD on Friday night, Saturday night. That's how I get ready to go to church on Sunday mornings, watch live PD on Saturday night. But we watch that, and my, my Holly oftentimes will say, I wish they would do that here in the city of Winston-Salem. I say, shut your mouth. I don't want to see some of our church members on there. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Think about how you would have been on live PD before you got saved because you was a grain of dirt. I was a grain of dirt. But we could have very well been on that program. But God has taken something dirty like you and me. And through the secretion of His grace and His love and His blood, God is working on us to make a pearl out of us. Amen. How the pearl was wrought. Number two, watch this. Not only how the pearl was wrought, look again in our text. Notice how the pearl was sought. How it was sought. Notice in our text the Bible said he came seeking 
goodly pearls. Now, I tell you again, let me go back and just say what I said a moment ago. If your interpretation of this is that we are the merchant men seeking the Lord Jesus, friend, you've got some real problems when it comes to other verses in the Bible. You see, the Bible, the Word of God tells us that mankind is not in the habit of seeking God. In fact, look at this verse right here. Romans chapter 3, verse number 11 said this, There is none that understandeth. How many? None. You say, preacher, that's mistaken. There's got to be two or three. None, the Bible said. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. Notice this last phrase, there is none. There is none that seeketh after God. I tell you, bless your heart, I was no more looking for God than a thief was looking for a policeman. I was looking for him, but aren't you so thankful when we weren't looking for him, he came seeking us. He came looking for us. Now, you may sit here this morning and say, Preacher, I disagree with you. You don't understand. I'm here in this service this morning because I got some questions and I'm looking for some answers. I came this morning because I, I, I'm looking for God. I want to tell you something. If that be true in your life, let me tell you this. If you're here this morning looking for God, it's because He was already looking for you. God, through a series of circumstances in your life, had, bringing, had been bringing you to the point that He was creating a thirst and a desire and a hunger in you for Himself. Hey, I will tell you something. Jesus on one occasion said this, I am the good shepherd. We all know sheep don't go looking for the shepherd. Sheep have no, they have no GPS to hunt the shepherd. They're not looking for the shepherd. But aren't you glad the shepherd goes looking for the sheep? When Adam disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, he didn't go looking for God. No, sir. He went looking for a bush. He went looking for a tree, something to hide himself from God. But aren't you glad God came looking for Adam? Our Bible doesn't say that we love God first, therefore He loves us. Our Bible says God loved us first, and because of His love, we now love Him. We love Him because He first. It was God who took the initiative. It was God who took the first step. It was God who made the first move. It was God who called first. He came looking for us. Yes, sir. I'm glad this morning if you're here in this room and you say, Preacher, I'm hunting God. Hey, let me tell you, God's already been hunting you. Amen. Amen. He's looking for you. You're not here by accident this morning. God is looking for you. The, the, notice that phrase, this unto a merchant man. That word merchant. We get our English word emporium from that. We don't, we don't call shopping malls emporiums anymore. But years ago, a general store or, or a shopping mall or something of that nature, if they had them back then, but they were called emporiums. It was a place where you, uh, where you went to buy something from. The, the merchant man, the emporium. Here's an old boy. He, he owns an emporium. He, he owns a business, and he's left that business, and he's, and he's came to another place because he's looking for something of immense value. We're told that he's seeking goodly pearls. He found one pearl of great price. Ladies and gentlemen, that's you and that's me. We are valuable to God. Can I tell you this? God doesn't love us because we're valuable. We're valuable because God loves us. 
so valuable, so loved, so desired, so much so so that Jesus... Let me sum, Can I sum our Bible up in four statements for you? I, just, I, I gave you 20 C's. Can I break it down a little further than that? Can I tell you four phrases that sum up our whole entire Bible is this. Jesus left his place. That's statement number one. Statement number two, Jesus came to this place. That's statement number two. Statement number three is this. Jesus left his place. Jesus came to this place. Jesus died in our place. That's statement number three. And number four, Jesus can take us to God's place. Now, is that not the whole Bible in four statements? Jesus left his place. Just like this merchant man, he left his place. He came into a far country, a far off place. He came to this place. You know why? So he could die in our place. So that one day he could take us to God's place. That's the whole Bible. That's what the story is all about. He's gone looking. Can I tell you something? Listen, this amazed me when I was reading about this this week, how they used to get pearls. Now, we know that pearls, oysters are down on the, on the dark dingy, dirty, dismal, damp ocean floor. I mean, they're, they're down. So here's what I found out this week when I was reading. When they went to hunt pearls, what they would do is they would take a rope and tie it around their waist. Then they would take a heavy rock and tie the rope around the other end of the heavy rock and they would throw the rock over the boat out there in the water. And then they would dive in after the rock and the rock would pull them down. It down, what? Down, down, down into the dark, dismal, dirty waters until finally they arrived holding their breath. They didn't have scuba diving equipment. Holding their breath, they would go down, down. And in and, 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 and the reach, they would gather as many oysters as they could gather as long as their breath would hold out and stick them in a pouch. And when they could no longer hold their breath, they would take a knife and cut the rope and ascend back to the top. They would get in that boat and they would crack those oyster shells open searching for a pearl. Boy, I got to thinking, you know, here's Jesus over yonder in heaven and he tied a rock around with a rope of grace and he slung it over the ballast of glory and down, down, down he came into this world, into the dark, dingy, damp, dirty waters in the mud, muddy floor of this old world. And thank God when he went to Calvary, he grabbed as many pearls as he possibly could and stuck them in his pouch, cut the rope and went back to heaven and someday we're going to be there in his presence as well. Yes, sir. He came seeking, seeking, looking for goodly pearls. The rock of his grace and love drew him to us and he found us in the mud and the slime of this old world and he lifted us out. Amen. How the pearl was salt. Now watch this. So we have how the pearl was wrought, how the pearl was salt. Last of all, look at verse 46, how the pearl was bought. Excuse my, my country language, but how it was bought. How did he buy it? Look at verse 46. He found one pearl of great price. The Bible said he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Ladies and gentlemen, to me, that's the language of Calvary. Jesus came to where we were. Jesus said, I want you to be mine. Jesus said, I, I, I'll take everything i got. I'll give up everything so that you can become mine. The language of Calvary. Can I tell you this, really? I want you to imagine this. We, we know that before Jesus died on the Calvary, we know he kept praying something about a cup. 
And, and he kept saying something, Father, if thy will, let this cup pass from me. You remember he kept talking about the cup, the cup, the cup. Well, let me tell you what I think happened. Let me tell you what I think, that, that cup that he's talking about. Because inside of that cup that he was going to drink of would include the sins of all humanity. Now listen, I don't know back in the day, in the, in the age of the Lord Jesus, how many people were here on the earth. I do know as of this last Friday, I just I Googled this Friday morning when I was working on this message. And as of this past Friday, there are 7.7 and change, billion of us on this earth today. Now let's just suppose that all 7.7 billion of us passed by the cup. And all 7.7 .7 billion of us took all of our sins and stuffed them inside that cup. Now watch this. I'm talking about every dirty thought, every bad word, everything we took that wasn't ours to take, every, everything that we thought that we've done that we thought nobody else knew about. And we stuffed it in that cup. 7.7 .7 billion of us and our sins are in the cup. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that when Jesus went to Calvary, Jesus drank that cup dry. Amen. Drunk them all, drunk it dry. Marched up Calvary's hill under the weight of a Roman cross and paid for every one of those sins. Every one of them. Every last one of them has been paid for. The Bible said that He gave it all so that we could become His. He gave it all physically. I'm telling you, there are not words in the human vocabulary that can describe, describe the beating, the, the, the bruising, the battering that Jesus took at Calvary. He took it all. He gave it all physically. He gave it all emotionally. I mean, you can just imagine hanging there in shame and humiliation. Those people thought he was guilty, and the only thing he was guilty of, the only thing was loving people like you and loving people like me. He, he gave it all physically. He gave it all emotionally. He gave it all spiritually so that you and me could become his purchased possession. Say, do you know Jesus today? Has there ever been a time in your life when you opened your heart to this merchant man? The one who loved you so much, he left his place, came to this place, died in your place so he could take you to God's place. Have you ever given your heart to him? This morning, I want to invite you to do that. If you're here and you've now, I'm not asking you to come forward and get religion. What we don't need is more religion. Can I have it? Amen. We don't need no more religion. What we need is a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Now, if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart and your life, I want to invite you to do so this morning. Then there are others who are here this morning. and You know, God's been dealing with your heart and dealing with your heart and dealing with your heart about joining Woodland Baptist Church. I know He's been dealing with your heart. Some of you have come up to me recently and said, Preacher, we're getting ready to join. Why don't you this morning, May the... What did we say today was... Why don't you today, December 24th, why don't you this morning come forward and do what you know that you ought to do in your heart and just get all that settled and so you can move on in the Christian life. And then some of you need to come and follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Just like we saw, who was it, all these that were baptized this morning? 
We saw those making their public profession of faith. Some of you have been saved. You prayed recently in one of our services. Because I've asked you. I said, how many of y'all just prayed that prayer in your minute? Would you raise your hand? You raise your hand. You didn't walk down the aisle, but can I tell you what you need to do? More than walking down the aisle, you need to get in the baptistry and get baptized and make your public profession of Jesus Christ. This morning, get all that done, taken care of, so you can move on in the Christian life. That's what the Lord wants. Would you obey Him this morning? Why don't you do what you know in your heart you ought to do this morning? Let's bow our heads for prayer.